Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this word. Thank you that we are the bride that's being prepared for the Messiah. In Yeshua's name, amen. I want to lay a little bit of a foundation. I want to encourage you in what I'm about ready to share because we are in the season of Teshuvah. There's a part one and there's a part two. Part one is going to be about the Daniel fast. And I only need three people to be excited about that. Now, once again, and I'm not going to go into the scriptures, in all you're getting, get understanding. How many of you understand that? Why are we doing what we're doing? And that's a very good question. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Daniel fast and the season of Teshuvah teaching Part one is going to be about the Daniel fast, okay? So I'm going to lay out a little foundation for you, tell you a few stories and everything, and then we're going to move into part two of Teshuvah. Ashley, you know, typically, this is a two-part teaching, actually two teachings in one, um, because we're going to look at what we're going to be embarking on, amen? Um, let's look at the first slide. Once we get up to Daniel fast in the season of Teshuvah, uh, Teshuvah officially begins this Wednesday night, amen, or Wednesday day, Tuesday evening, we'll go into Elul 1 in the Hebrew calendar, okay? Elul 1 begins Tuesday night in the evening, and then Wednesday is, of course, Elul 1 during the day. Does everybody understand that? Now, hear me out. We've all heard many, many teachings. We all get excited about this series of teachings and that series of teachings. And I'm telling you straight up, this is the real deal, okay? And if you don't focus on this, I don't, I don't know what you're going to do because that's our problem. We go online and watch this teaching and that teaching and this and that, and, and we get confused. And you don't even know what you believe. So I, I'm, a, I'm a focused kind of guy. I like to get focused on the task at hand, amen? I'm not going to multitask all this stuff. So with the Daniel Fast and Teshuvah, it's more than you can handle, trust me. If you apply yourself to this teaching and, 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 and carry this out in your life, I'm going to guarantee you it's going to change your life. It's changed my life. It's continuing to change my life. Because everybody wants to know, what is God doing? Or what am I supposed to be doing? Amen? So you got to remember something. There's the big picture too. It's not just us. But are we doing what we're supposed to be doing so that we can connect with others that are doing what they're supposed to be doing? So this is the Daniel fast and the season of Teshuvah. Here we go. I get the privilege of sharing this. Thank you, Father. Jensen Franklin. The three duties of every Christian are giving praying, and fasting. You see that? The three duties of every Christian are giving, praying, and fasting. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, verse 5, and 16. In the Scriptures, it doesn't say if you fast. It's when you fast. So what is it insinuating? That you're going to fast. You're going to give. You're going to pray. Boy, pray without ceasing is really good right about now. How many of you would agree with me? Amen. Well, I don't know about praying all the time. Let me tell you something. Pray without ceasing is very good for the days in which we live in today. So as far as the Daniel fast goes and everything, I, of 
course, experienced this through uh, Jensen Franklin's ministry. If you're familiar with Jensen Franklin of Georgia. And so that kind of set me on the trail of the Daniel Fast and different things. So I want to give him some credit there. He has some excellent resources as well. If you want to get some books or audios or videos or whatever it is on fasting, uh, he has the, uh, the revelation. So biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Once again, biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. I love what Jensen Franklin was saying in one of his resources. He was saying that you don't fast television. You don't fast sports. Amen. Or your remote control, in my case. You could only fast food or drink. Okay. So it has to do with food, not with other things. See, once you realize when you wake up in the morning and you see yourself in the mirror and you say, you're going down, that's when life begins. Amen? I'm t- my biggest battle is me. It's not even my wife and seven kids. They're like, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, I don't know how I live with me. That's a piece of cake. If I can just get through to me, I can do all these other things. Amen? The first person you lead in life is yourself. Now, three reasons for the Daniel fast. You want to write this down? I didn't make a slide. And all you're going to get understanding. Three reasons for the Daniel fast so you'll understand. Number one, for the children of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Daniel chapter 9, verses 16 through 19. How many of you love Israel? How many of you love Jerusalem? Do you love it enough to fast for it? We should. Once again, we're preparing for the fall feasts. Amen. Everything has a reason. We're preparing for the fall feast. Leave your flesh out of it. For the children of Israel and the city of Jerusalem, the the reference is Daniel chapter 9, verses 16 through 19. Number two, to loose the bands of wickedness. To loose the bands of wickedness. Isaiah 58, 6. To loose the bands of wickedness. Some of you come to me with praise reports how you've overcome addiction overcome something. It's a band of wickedness, amen? Some of you are realizing, you know what? It's really not kosher to be talking about people. You're like just now getting that. Well, I I shouldn't be talking about people. And it's a band of wickedness that now you're realizing that you want to be loose from that. Number three is one of our best ones. I love this one. It's for the next generation. In Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 29, you hear a story about the disciples could not cast out this particular demon or spirit from this child or youth. Amen? They couldn't do it. And the father was like, they couldn't do it. And what did Yeshua say in response? This can only come out through prayer and fasting. How many of you know that this generation, this younger generation needs prayer and fasting? How many they have a few challenges? Amen? So those three things are the reason why we're doing the Daniel fast. For the children of Israel in the city of Jerusalem, to loose the bands of wickedness for the next generation. Boy, those are three good purposes, aren't they? So when you're hungry or grumpy or whatever it is, think about it. Wow, I have purpose. Two things fasting is not. 
to lose weight. Number two, to be noticed. Amen? To lose weight or to be noticed. Those are the benefits, but that's not the purpose. Amen? You'll receive the benefits, but it's not the purpose. One of the things I want to share with all of you is that don't worry about whether your neighbor's doing the Daniel fast or not. I'm sorry, let me, let me repeat myself. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. Worry about what you're doing. Because I don't want to hear none of this, well, how come you're not doing it? I've heard all, all kinds of stories, you know, about the Daniel fast and the, and the timing of it all, like it's my fault. You know? You know what I mean? But it's my birthday, and I always eat cake. That's between you and the cake. I'm staying out of it, okay? I'm not going to tell you... We'll just take a day off. I'm not going there. You pray about it. Pray about it. Right? But it's my anniversary. But it's this, it's that. Pray about it. It's your fast. It's not mine. I'm going for the gold, baby. I don't care what it is at that time period, right? The Pope could be coming for dinner, amen? He's getting triscuits and hummus. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Three types of fast. Come on, somebody. Your flesh is going to die. Three types of fast. Number one, an absolute fast, which is no food or drink. That's called an absolute fast. That would be the Day of Atonement. Amen. Number two, a normal fast, which would be just liquids. Just liquids. I've talked about this in the past, and I believe it will be probably coming more prevalent in the future about a target fast, that we will be fasting and, and target fasting certain, certain areas that we want to target fast. Amen. Number three, a partial fast, which is fruits and vegetables, which would be the Daniel fast. It's a partial fast. Amen. So get over it. Right? I'm letting you eat. What do you want? You know, and, and I'll just tell you from my own experiences, this, I love the Daniel fast. I love to fast. I truly, truly do. Every Daniel fast gets better and better and better. It's like a spiral. You climb higher and higher with the Lord. Amen? I mean, how many cheeseburgers have you eaten this year? Nobody can count. I'm saying if you love cheeseburgers, I'm not talking to the other tribe. What did they say? There's some kind of a bumper sticker. What is a vegan? A poor hunter. I don't know. I mean, I'm anticipating something in the Daniel Fast for me personally. I'm really, I'm anticipating something incredible. So fasting brings one into a deeper, more intimate and powerful relationship with the Lord. Isn't that what you want? Fasting brings one into a deeper, more intimate, and powerful relationship with the Lord. See, the problem with the food and drink is we're creatures of habit. That's the biggest hurdle to get over. But I have this first thing in the morning. But I eat this before I go to bed. But I do this. Once you break that off, you, you understand that, wow, I can do this. Because we're creatures of habit. We drive the same way to work. We eat the same things. We drink the same things. So when you fast, everything in your life slows down. Let me tell you this now. That's what's going to freak you out. When you fast, everything in your life slows down. 
because we're in a hurried society. Amen? When you see two drive throughs at McDonald's, man, people just cannot wait. I think Tim Hawkins was talking about going through the drive through and they just throw the cheeseburger right in your mouth, you know? I want to know. So think about your habits. So now we're like this, and, we, and, and pop, peep, boop, peep, pop, boop, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, no. I haven't had any coffee. And I'm hungry. Am I going to make it to my car? What's wrong with me? I must be getting older. Don't make fun of your elders. I'm telling you, it's the funniest thing, though. And you're like, wow, life. And you notice things you never even noticed before. Because God wants to slow it down. I'm preaching to me. I am a fast walker, and I am a fast talker. So if anybody needs to slow down, it's me. God just puts these speed bumps in my life. Are you ready for the book of Daniel? Prophecy. Remember the book of Daniel is the skeleton of prophecy. Okay? If you understand the book of Daniel, then you'll understand all the other prophets because they are the meat that goes on the bones. Does you understand what I'm saying? So you always start out with Daniel. Chapters 1 through 6 are historical. Chapters 7 through 12 are visions. Okay? So I'm only introducing you to all of this so you understand why we're doing the Daniel fast. It's exciting. Think about how exciting Daniel was. We'll be looking at this. Now, think about the 70 years, Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 27. We're going to highlight certain verses, and we're going to be publicly reading the Scriptures. That's why there's a lot of slides. Amen? Publicly reading the Scriptures. Whatever you speak comes towards you. Okay? So we're going to be reading the Scriptures publicly here. Uh, let's start off with the 70 years, Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, Chapter 7 through 12 are the visions. We're in chapter 9. So he knows that captivity is only for 70 years. Does everybody understand that? The reason why he's really applying himself to all of this, because the 70 years are almost up or close to it, and he knows it. The Lord said 70. We're closing in on that anniversary. Okay? So he knows something's going to happen. Something's coming after that captivity's up. Amen? You let the prisoner out, you set him free, right? It's free indeed. It's like paying off a debt. Now, this reference in Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 can be found in Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 11 and 12. Let's read about this 70 years. Let's, let's read what Jeremiah said, which Daniel was reading from. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity 
in the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolations. Amen? How is the country of Iraq doing today? Not doing real well, is it? God will always use a nation to chastise another nation. Does everybody understand that? He'll always use a nation to chastise another nation, even his own people. So this is the reference that Daniel's reading. And it's kind of funny, too, because I want to parallel this to make it relevant for today. And I was just asked this this week. I was asked this this week. Why are the non-Jews coming into their Hebrew roots and want to celebrate their Hebrew roots? Why? 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 They're not even Jewish. This question was posed to me. And you know I have to answer. Ah, but of course. I shared with them simply, and I'm not going to go into it, Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, and Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 through 11. After those days, Yahweh will write his Torah on minds and hearts. And that's what's happening in the earth today. Now, how you walk that out, how you interpret that is up to you. Amen? So I appreciate it if all of you would give me grace and mercy, because whatever I put on you, I have to walk out. So why would I want to make it difficult or hard for you? Okay? Now, think about my position as a pastor. I'm trying to organize something that's coming out of the nations, a community. So how should this community look? I think this community should be obedient. I think it should have love, but I think it should be fun. Okay? If Hebrew Roots isn't fun, I'm not doing it. I got seven kids. They know what fun is. And I've been having fun doing this. I truly have. It is fun. If you're not having fun, you have misinterpreted this movement. Come on. You won't just hang around strict people that are mean and long-faced. Oh, I'm going to hang out with that person all day. Or how about the one that goes, come on, let's go. I'm going with the one who's skipping. Daddy, you're going with the wrong person. They're doing skip to Malou. Let's go with the long-faced mean person over here. Let's follow him. You'll never see that. Amen? And I just get a kick out of this movement. It's so funny. It's about restoration and regathering. I just laugh because people will say things like, hey, you're not doing it right. I'm like, really? And who made you the master? Really? I wasn't doing anything, and now I'm doing something. I think that merits something. Oh, but you're not doing it right. Really? And I'll even, oh, I've been doing this for two years. Oh, really? Wow. You're dangerous. But what, what do we need this for? I come in here not to pick the service apart and, and find fault. I come in here to enjoy myself and enter the service. That's me. I'm serious. That didn't go right, this and that. Well, I can't believe, you know. No. I'm in, I'm in the service just like you are. Amen. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, I am so fired up. I have to refrain myself. No, I'm telling you. Because you ever get that feeling like, Lord, you're showing me something and I'm getting a revelation and now I know why Daniel did what he did? I got a little dose of that. See, our captivity is up, everyone. We're only shooting ourselves in the foot. We only hurt ourselves. I'm telling you, I can have as much of God as I want. And I'm just, I'm at the buffet every day. This suit jacket is tight. 
I mean, he feeds me. The Torah portions, through prayer, through worship, through Olive Beta, I mean, through, through the Land of Israel Network podcast, I am stuffed. And when someone says, I'm not getting fed, I'm like, what? <laughs> Your napkin. Because God is moving. Things are happening so fast right now, it's hard to keep up. God is moving. He is moving. He is moving to the purpose that he wants. It's not what I want. Amen? I have my own agenda. That's long gone. I thought this, this, and this. No, God is moving. So we get this revelation of the Hebrews of the Christian faith, and we start walking in it. That's all we know, right? This is what we know. This is how we want to worship God. So this is interesting because this is the thing that the Lord was teaching me. In hindsight, I can, I can say this now. So think about this. So Daniel says, oh my gosh, the 70 years are up and the captivity is up and then we get to go back to God. We get this, this, and this, and we're going to be free. And what does he do with it? What does he do with it? Is he prideful? Does he, be, does he become a person who bashes the church and comes down on everyone? No. Oh my gosh, I'm telling you, that's where this movement messed up. Daniel's prayer of intercession. God didn't give you that knowledge and revelation to hurt people. He gave it to you to help people. He gave it to you to make your life better. Because when your life is better, people see that. They go, I want what you want. I want what you got. So we get Daniel's prayer of intercession in Daniel chapter 9, verses 3 through 19. And look at Daniel 9, 3. Let's read it. Here he goes. Look what he says. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Do you know what sackcloth is? It's a polyester suit. It's clothing that makes you feel uncomfortable. It's like burlap or canvas, you know what I'm saying? I like to mess with them at the grocery store. Paper, paper plastic, I say, you got burlap? So, so think about what Daniel's doing up. And it even says with ashes, putting ashes on his forehead. Do you remember that, Mordecai? Remember the story of Esther? The ashes and the, the, the uncomfortable clothing. Man, this guy's going all out. I mean, think about it. Revelation should bring humility. I'm learning this. I'm learning this. Oh, I'm learning this. Revelation should bring humility. Like, wow, why are you showing this to me, Lord? Why are you giving it? Listen, I can't even believe where I'm at with the Lord today. I can't even believe I'm in front of all of you, that I get to lead you. Amen? I mean, to me, it's amazing that he would reveal all this. I still got to pinch myself. Wow, Lord, I've been to Israel seven times, and I've fulfilled the bucket list of the three national feast days. I've been there for Passover, for Shavuot and Sukkot. Thank you, Lord. Wow, that's awesome, you know. All these things that the Father has given me and done, I'm telling you, it's am- I can't believe it. Amen? So look at Daniel 9.5. Let's progressively move through this chapter a little bit in Daniel's intercession. Let's read it. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. So we have sinned. That's his prayer. He didn't say those people, those guys. Israel, he goes, we. He uses the term, we have sinned. Amen? 
Now notice that it's coming out after the captivity, and he's going into all of this, and he knows why they went into captivity. It's because of this. Look at Daniel 9, 7. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. See, a sign of your obedience is when you are being gathered. When you want to be gathered, when you want to be with others, it's a sign of obedience. When you go the opposite way and you church hop, you're disobedient. You're refusing to be gathered. This is the, this is the diaspora, the diaspora right here. Jews living outside of Israel is the term for the diaspora. Amen? See, the greatest revival that's going to happen in the restoration, the regathering of the whole house of Israel is going to be outside the land of Israel. It won't be inside. It's happening on the outside. It's just like the story of Joseph. Orthodox Jews are traveling to America to come and speak in churches and synagogues. And who's going to be awakened but the non-Jews? Oh, I'm telling you, it's going down, people. It's already happening. It's already happening. Orthodox Jews are going into churches as guests and speaking on behalf of the Jewish people in Israel. And these churches are embracing them. How many of you know that church is blessed? I'm telling you. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, notice the Daniel 9, 11. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses and the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. What was the Torah portion for today? Blessings and curses. So Israel chose the curses. And there's the aftermath. So in hindsight, we can say that Deuteronomy is correct. Right? This particular word, the curse, do you see it there? It is the Hebrew word, Allah. Allah. You can look it up for yourself. It's self-explanatory. I believe the Father is using the nation of Islam to chastise the whole world. Because let me tell you something. Any, any of us could be a victim of terror. We have a big menorah up there. They could think we're a synagogue and come in here and do whatever. The crown of the martyrs, the greatest crown. I believe I have a lot of work to do, and I figured I'm going to live since I have seven children. But what I want to submit to you is that look at what's happening in the world. Look at what's happening in Europe. I just read in the Jerusalem Post that one of the chief rabbis in Spain was saying that the Jews had better get out of Spain. Because within that Muslim community, which is large, there's radicals inside that community. Haven't we heard this before? Germany. World War II. Amen? So once again, 
Daniel 9.16. Let's keep reading. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Remember the first purpose for the fast? The first purpose for the Daniel fast. The law of first mention. I want you to think about this, if you will. Isn't the Daniel fast mainstream now? Rick Warren, all these famous ministers or or churches, they're, they're doing the Daniel fast. Have you ever thought about that? I shared with one pastor that he was doing the Daniel fast. I says, you know what that purpose of the Daniel fast is for, don't you? He goes, well, yeah, you know, to loose the bonds of wickedness and to hear from God. I said, no, no, no. I said, when you do the Daniel fast, you're fasting for the children of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. He's like, really? Seriously? I go, yeah, let's look it up. So even in ignorance, people are doing the Daniel fast for the children of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Then you get the revelation. Is this good stuff? So Daniel's praying for a city, Jerusalem, and a people, Israel. Look at Daniel 9, 17. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Intercession. So he's interceding, isn't he? He's interceding. Is he interceding? Now, let's put it in perspective. If we look at it historically speaking, if the judgment came on the ninth of Av, come on, somebody, think about it. We just passed the ninth of Av. Our captivity's up. We're just celebrating what was already celebrated. Think about it. Because that's the three weeks of affliction. From the golden calf incident in Exodus 32, Tammuz 17, to the ninth of Av is called the three weeks of affliction. Now, one of the most amazing things that's happening here at Beit Tehillah is that I believe God is preparing us to join with and meet up with the Orthodox Jews. So everything that we're doing in here, you're like, but this isn't really, this is like, this isn't churchianity. This is not like very Christian-like. No, we're already Christians. Okay, now we're moving on to better things. Amen? You know what I'm saying? I'm saying that there's, there's more to the story than just sitting back. You know what I'm saying? So we, we're only going to be able to say that in hindsight. Why? Because when Judah comes into town, we got something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about. I'm just the vessel, you know. People try to figure everything out. I don't try to figure it all out. Just be obedient. Amen? Listen, I believe that the, that the Jews and the Christians can work together. I, I just believe it. I didn't say they had to compromise. I didn't say we're going to compromise. I'm telling you right now, Jews and Christians can work together for a common good. And that's what I believe. Amen? I dance with the one who brung me. It's Yeshua. Yeshua's my Savior. I take him everywhere I go. He's my Savior. So continuing on, Daniel 9, 19, this is a big prayer. You know, this is the biggest prayer in the Bible, spoken. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do 
Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. A city likened to a people, a people likened unto a city. Do you remember that? <clears throat> Does everyone understand that? I'm trying to show you something. Now get this in your mind because what you do is you can actually write down this step one. Captivity is over, right? Step two, intercede and pray. Step three, you know what I'm saying? I, I didn't break it all down because it's all coming together. So what happens now is the angel Gabriel gives Daniel the interpretation of the 70 weeks. Daniel 9, verses 20 through 27. Okay? The angel Gabriel gives Daniel the interpretation of the 70 weeks. Daniel 9, 20 through 27. So they're coming out of 70 years of captivity, and then the angel comes and says, oh, and by the way, there's going to be 70 weeks. Right? This is so good. I'm telling you right now, this is worth $19.95 right now. Make your checks out to Beit Tehillah. This is worth $19.95 right now, I'm telling you. Because the revelation is like, oh my gosh, Lord, we are truly there. We are there. We are on the precipice. We are right there. We're on the banks of the Jordan River. Look at Daniel 9.24. Let's read it. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Once again, people in a city, Israel and Jerusalem. Is Israel a big deal? Yes, it is. Is it a big deal to God? Is it a big deal to the Bible? It is a big deal. Is it a big deal for ABC News? No. So let's break it down. This is where it gets really good. This is, don't be intimidated by prophecy. Don't be intimidated. Take it literally and break it down. That's how you study prophecy. You don't try to spiritualize it and do symbolism and allegories all the time. Break it down. Here we go. Break it down. Seventy weeks of years upon the people of Israel and Jerusalem to accomplish six things. So these 70 weeks have to accomplish six things. Number one, finish the transgression. Number two, make an end of sins. Number three, make reconciliation for iniquity. Number four, bring in everlasting righteousness. Number five, seal up the visions and prophecy. Oh, and number six, anoint the most holy. Okay? Anoint the most holy. So are prophecies being fulfilled? Look at number five. Yeah. So at the end of the 70 weeks, there's going to be a conclusion of what? Anoint the most holy. We call that the coronation of the Messiah crowning of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the coronation of the Messiah. Which is Yom Teruah. The crowning of the Messiah. We won't get into all that right now. We'll get into it this fall, though. So what's the interpretation of the 70 weeks? What is the interpretation in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27? Man, there's so many things packed in those few verses, isn't there? Well, the beginning of the first period of seven weeks to rebuild Jerusalem after the captivity, which would be 49 years, fulfilled 
Amen? Let's keep continue on. The second period of 62 weeks, from the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the crucifixion of the Messiah, 434 years. Last but not least, the third period of one week in which Antichrist will make and break a covenant with Israel, seven years. So only seven years are left from that formula. Okay? So how close are we, see? How close are we? You know, how many of you know that right now, Israel is trying to put up a fight with the nations? You know the United Nothing? You're familiar with United Nothing in New York? In Luke 21, 24, this is not a slide. This is what's happening. Luke 21, 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So you're seeing all this uproar in the nations, right? North Korea, civil war in Syria for six years, amen? All of North Africa is unstable. Egypt is being run by the military, okay? You've got Iran, which is the Shiites plotting and scheming against the Sunnis. You've got factions of nations coming together to form coalitions. Does everybody see this? It's the nations, right? It's the nations. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, until they do all these things, it's going to continue. Does everybody understand that? The nations are going to do what the nations do. But what is God doing? He's pulling you out of the nations. I watch less news and I do less social media now than I ever have. I can honestly say I am not addicted to social media. I can actually say that I've left my home without my phone, and I didn't go back to get it. And you can just imagine how much was on that thing. I check my emails maybe every three days. So if you really want to get a hold of me, talk to me while you can, or call the office. Because if you email me, you might not get a response. I can honestly say that. Why? Because I'm saturated with this stuff. The Sabbath, the Torah portions, the season of Teshuvah, it is incredible. It's incredible what's happening. And I was just thinking about until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Does that sound familiar? What about Romans 11.25? Romans 11.25. Romans 11.25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. This is where we're ignorant. Lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. But what are the Gentiles coming into? Their Hebrew roots. That's the beauty of it. Until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. I have seven children. I treat them all the same. I love them all equally. Amen. I don't have half following these commandments and half of them following these commandments. Your grace, your law, I don't do that. It's one hope, one faith, one baptism, one Torah. 
even for the stranger, the Bible says. Amen? Well, hey, you don't know me. I'm a stranger. Do I have to do Torah? Oh, yeah, sure, right here. Here's all the cross-references. Strangers in the night. I knew you'd like that. Here we go. Are you ready? Daniel 9.27. Let's read it. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Are you guys familiar with the abomination of desolation? I'm telling you, when I was putting this teaching together, I said, Lord, I'm in trouble. There's too many ways to go. There's bunny rabbits everywhere. Get them out. You know what I mean? I could just go somewhere with it, you know? But even, even Yeshua reflected on this, you know? Remember what Daniel said? The abomination of desolation? So it is yet to come. We saw it through Antiochus and the Hanukkah story but there's another abomination of desolation that's going to come. Now listen to this. Daniel's knowledge of the 70 years of captivity being up for Israel inspired him to pray for the forgiveness of their sins. He began to intercede for the people in the city, which resulted in the vision found in Daniel 10. So what I've discovered is that when I'm obedient, he takes me to the next blessing. When I'm obedient, he takes me to the next door, and then the next door, and then the next door. You know what I'm saying? So now we go into Daniel's fourth vision of Israel in the last days. Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Right? So now he's going to really kick it in. Just do this for yourself. Just take Daniel 9 and 10 and just break it down. The steps that Daniel took, we can take. And we can see where we messed up or this movement messed up. And we can undo that and fix that. How many of you understand what I'm saying? A proper interpretation. Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. Here's the Daniel fast. Let's read it together. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Okay? Notice this at the beginning of, of, of Daniel chapter 10. Does everybody see this? Do you see the steps that he took? All it took was a revelation. See, that's why all of you are dangerous. You have the revelation of the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. You've got the revelation. Now, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to walk it out? How are you going to have joy in doing this? How are you going to have purpose to know that you're doing it right. That's the, that's the question, isn't it? Are we doing this right? I don't want to mess up. Are you kidding me? This is an A move of God. The Hebrew roots of the Christian faith is the move of God. It's not a move. It is the move. I don't know what move you're thinking of after this, but this is the move of God. This is the conclusion of the matter because it makes perfect sense now. We, the church has gone through many ages of, of, of moves of God. Amen? So we see the, the three whole weeks were fulfilled right here. Fruits and vegetables for three whole weeks. Does everybody see that? So now he's kicking in intercession in a higher degree now. He's already been fasting and praying and wearing burlap. 
But it wasn't enough. He continues. He goes, oh, my gosh. We just came out of captivity. Now, come on, I'm thinking about like Dan. Okay, we just came out of captivity. Now we're, this is all going to happen. But Israel's going to have 70 weeks. Oh, my gosh, I need to really pray so I can interpret all this. And Gabriel comes and gives an interpretation. But then he goes on. Look, at Daniel sees a man in a vision. Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 through 11. I'm going to cut to the chase here. Daniel sees a man in a vision. Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 through 11. Keep going. You have the interpretation of the vision and spiritual warfare. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 21. So everything that God reveals propels you to something else. Does everybody understand that? So because you went into the Hebrews of the Christian faith and you started honoring the Shabbat, other things started coming in your life. And more things are coming for all of us. Okay? So let's continue, because look at Daniel 10, 14. Let's read it. Here's what the angel says. Look. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. So let me ask you a question. What is the purpose of the Daniel fast, law of first mention? That's, no, I'm just saying, what's the law of first mention for the Daniel fast in and of itself? It's for the children of Israel and Jerusalem. Now, rumor has it that most of you believe you're Israel and you're grafted in based upon Romans and Paul's little letter, right? Or Ephesians 2, once you were far off, now Christ has brought you near. So some of you believe you're Israel. Really, do you? So would it only make sense that Daniel gets a revelation of what's going to happen in the latter days to Israel that we should be doing the Daniel fast? Does it make sense now? Does the light come on? Is somebody home? No, really, think about this. This isn't about, hey, I'm grafted in. That's it. No, you got to work it, baby. You better be obedient. Come on. Is this good stuff? It's life-changing. It makes sense now. But do you have the faith to believe that? Do you have the chutzpah to believe that? Do you really believe that you're Israel and you're grafted in and you're going to be a part of the last days? Yes. This is what's happening Come on, everybody. If there's 70 weeks prophesied, if there's 70 weeks determined upon the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, if we have these 70 weeks and we only have seven left, wouldn't it be advantageous to be focused on the last week that's coming and to say that I'll be ready? Because what happens when you fast like Daniel? You get revelation. Some of you don't get no revelation, right? We need Bible revival. That's part one. Was that good enough? We can just go home now, right? Oh, but we can't because I still have to deliver part two. So there you go. I want you to chew on that. Think about it. Listen, I care about the Jewish people. I care about the country of Israel. When, when the settlements are torn down and Jews are thrown out of their homes, it, it literally bothers me. It, actually, I get nauseous. You know, it, it bothers me. Deep down, it just bothers me. When, when, when Jewish people are mistreated, and, and like I said, here's a fact, everyone. Should Arabs have homes? Absolutely. Am I anti-Arab? No. But I think the Jews should have a homeland, and they should be able to live there. Now, the Jews don't even have 1% of the land mass that the Arabs have. Let's just do the numbers. Let's just do the numbers. The Jewish people, Israel, they don't even have 1% of the land mass that the Arabs have, but the Arabs want that too. That makes no sense. Come on, people. 
Let's bring common sense back into America, right? That's a fact. It's really good stuff. We're going into the season of Teshuvah. Here we go. The season of Teshuvah. Now, the kingdom of God has a calendar, and contained within that calendar are seasons that we have to go through. It is extremely important that we keep the feast days along with the weekly Sabbath, and in every season we must be obedient. Amen? See, the problem with Christianity is they don't have anything to be focused on. Well, I'll win someone to the Lord, and I'm going to be raptured. And both aren't happening. <coughs> no, you understand what I'm saying? So what happens? You're working it where you know, so you start wander off. Wander off because there's nothing to keep you in check. There's no Sabbath to keep you in check every six days. There's no, there's no feast days to get, for you to be preparing something. See what I'm saying? There's no Teshuvah in Christianity. Well, I think every day is Teshuvah. Well, good. Well, then why don't you live Teshuvah every day then? I'd love to see that. I know the dangers of liberty. I know the dangers of not having guidelines and principles. I know, I know the fatality rate is high. Sabbath keeps me on the steady. Keeps me focused, keeps me out of trouble. Amen? I need the Sabbath. The Sabbath doesn't need me. <laughs> Think about it. So we're going into the season of Teshuvah. In this language that I'm speaking, all the Jewish people know it. They know what the three weeks of affliction are. They know the seven weeks of consolation. They understand all that, okay? Let's look at it. Teshuvah literally means to return and is the word used to describe the concept of repentance. Teshuvah literally means to return and is the word used to describe the concept of repentance, okay? Right? Listen, Teshuvah is exciting. It's good. This is a time to beat yourself up. It's a time to be honest. Honest. So here it is. The season of Teshuvah consists of the month Elul, the sixth month, and 10 days in Tishri, the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar, August 23rd to September 30th. Is there any Gregorians in the house? So it starts at the beginning of the sixth month of Elul and ends on Tishri 10, the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. Does everybody understand that? This is a set time. I mean, think about it. So there are prophecies in the Bible about a people in the last days that would return back to God. Is that you? I am. You could say, hey, I see you returning back to God, but I didn't read that in the Bible. That's what I, I tell people. I'm returning back to God. It's the Hebrew word shub. We'll see it. Here we go. Are you guys ready? It's not just Jewish people going back to the land of Israel. That's not, that's not the only thing. It's more than that. That's why we're doing what we're doing, people, because we are returning in Brandon, Florida. Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 3, jumped off the pages of my Bible years ago, I believe it was probably 2000 or 2001, it was like it just jumped off the, the pages in, in this hotel as we were doing the Torah study, and he's like, this has come to pass today. I'm like, whoa. Let's read it together. 
And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curses which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Stay right there. You're bringing to mind the blessings and the curses. How many of you understand what I'm saying? You're bringing to mind the things you're doing right and the things you're doing wrong, and you're working out your salvation, and you're not in Tel Aviv. You're in Brandon, where he has scattered you. Amen? I told my dad, I said, Dad, you know, when you moved here, you, you really, it was, it was from God. You heard from God. He goes, well, what do you mean, son? I said, well, I was born in Ohio, family's all in Ohio, and you felt led to uh, uh, a transfer of Toledo Scale Company to come down and move to Florida and start a new life and get your family going and everything. And I said, Dad, this is where God has me doing the work. I'm a pastor in Brandon where my father came. He's like, I never thought about that like that. Because I could be somewhere. I could be in Atlanta or Texas, right? Okay, your dad brought you here, but this is where I want you. This is, I, grew, I grew up here, right? It's, it's fun and exciting to run into old girlfriends. It's exciting, <laughs> really. And my wife's like, recently? <laughs> recently. No, no, no. Graduated from Brandon High School in 1985. Go Eagles. Got some... Uh, Brandon High School alumni in here, Kathy. So think about this with me, if you will. So, so we're blessed and we're cursed. We're trying to work out our salvation. We're doing things that are right and doing things that are wrong. We're learning. We're growing in the Holy Spirit. And what does it say? You will return, you and your children. It doesn't say you got it all together, then you come to me. No, your kids know you ain't right. Right? My kids tell me all the time, Daddy, you ain't right. I go, thank you. They'll come to me about the mother. Mama's not right. I said, leave her alone. Run. Run. If you're going to say she ain't right, run. Because something's coming. And I, I can't help you. You know, if you cross a certain city of refuge line, maybe half of my kingdom can save you. But her half, run. See, we're already there, everyone. We're already there. We're there. In all my heart, we're there. We are so there. I don't want to take any scriptures out of context. I really don't. I've been studying this for over 20 years. I'm telling you, we're on to something big here. God's word will not come back null and void. It is true. Get it in your heart. Continuing on, let's finish it up in verse 3. That then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. Amen. Sending people into the harvest, the harvest of the grapes. It's part of returning. It's called the teaser plan, just teasing you. Then you got to get on a plane and come back. It's a teaser, right? Just teasing you. Like, oh, man, you know. Think about it. Look at Deuteronomy 30, verse 8. Let's keep reading. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. Commandments don't hurt you. I've never broken down 613 commandments in my life, but I've heard it said and mentioned over 200 commandments are in regard to the temple that doesn't even exist. So I'm feeling pretty good if I only have to do 400. In the Dakes Annotated Bible, interesting Bible with 
different things. I'm not in total agreement with the commentary and everything. But in the Dakes Annotated Bible, a little note was in there that there's a thousand commandments in the New Testament. How's that working for you? Right? Did you know that we're commanded to love one another? Seriously. We are commanded to love one another. I got to move on. It's getting quiet in here. Now the word return is number 7725. It's the Hebrew word shub, and it means the following. To turn, call to mind, recover, restore, and retrieve. To turn, call to mind, recover, restore, and retrieve. Does anybody see that? Sometimes you'll see the word churn in the English or return. It's the same Hebrew word shub. And it's a fascinating study. Go in your Strauss concordance and look it up and see which ones that you can actually make relevant for today. Let's, let's, let's look at some of these verses, some examples. Isaiah 44, 22. Let's read it. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Redeem me. You know, let me share something with all of you. God's not mad at you. Did you know that? Where are you getting this thought? Well, I'm not, I don't feel like I can go to him. I think he's mad at me. He's madly in love with you. He's not angry, or we wouldn't be here. If our father was angry, he would have created Beit Tehila. He wouldn't have given us this building. He's not angry with you. Do we fall short? Absolutely. My kids make me angry. But I love them. But God's not, if you go back and read what, what he's trying to say here, he's coming after you. He's coming, oh, double, double blessing. You know, I put peppermint in my water, and now it's like I want to cough. Peppermint's good for your stomach. Yeah, but it makes me cough. Have some more peppermint. No. Now, notice I'm in Isaiah 44. I'm going to have a good time. That's what it's all about. Now, Isaiah 40 to 66, some of you say, I want a word from God. I'll give you a word. Read Isaiah 40 to 66 and call me in the morning. It's a picture of what? The New Testament. Okay, and Isaiah chapter 1 through 39 is a picture of the Old Testament. How many of you have heard that before? It's true, but I'm going to progressively move on now. Isaiah 51, 11, here we go. Oh, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Let's take it literally. Seriously, folks. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you sacrifice of Have you noticed something? I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that's noticed it. You never see angry people in congregational dancing. Have you? Have you ever seen anybody just angry in their dancing? It doesn't work. You know, have, no, don't really, have you noticed that? If you grab hands, something happens. Hey. Yeah. Oh, oh did I run into you? I'm sorry. Oh, did I run into you? <laughs> Notice the worship team is the biggest ministry we have here. Says they're going to come back singing, all of them. Could the worship leader please, you know, come up to the stage? You got like 12 people coming up. That's me. 
Oh, you're leading this week. I'm sorry. I'm telling you, if you go back in Jeremiah 31, go read Jeremiah 31 and look at this, the stages of, of revelation, of, of actually revival. It says dancing will be restored. Then you keep reading. Then it says then they'll plant vineyards. But if you keep reading, go down. And then it says Ephraim is the birthright. Oh, now we're in trouble in doggy land. Amen? I'll give you another example. Man, I just went on a bunny trail. I have to go there. Zechariah, here comes Yeshua riding on the donkey. Right? He's cool, right? Because he's going to come in on a white horse later, and the enemy ain't going to know what hit him. They're looking for a donkey, but he's going to get him. So he comes in on the donkey, right? Isn't it a prophecy? Come on. I'm not going there, but I'm just telling you. Keep reading. Ephraim and Judah come together. Judah's the bow, and Ephraim's the arrow, if you keep reading. But no, we don't want to keep reading. Oh, the valley of dry bones, an exceeding great army, right? The bones and then the flesh, an exceeding great army in the desert. Keep reading. There's two sticks. Ephraim and Judah, which one's going to hit you? <laughs> Remember me? You should have kept reading. Nobody wants to talk about it. I've been to so many events. The valley of dry bones, great. Keep reading, please, for the love of Christ, be here. Oh, if they ever did, can you imagine? And then someone in the back, could you expound on that? Just reading. I don't want to get in trouble. I've been doing this for 20 years. I can get away with it. Isaiah 63, 17. O Lord, why hast thou made us to err from thy ways and hardened our heart from thy fear? Return for thy servant's sake the denominations of the Christian faith. It's tribal, man. It's tribal. Return for thy servant's sake the tribes of thine inheritance. Go in tribal. Hosea 1.11, let's look at Hosea 1.11, written to the northern kingdom. Let's read it. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Jezreel was the legitimate child, the legitimate child between Hosea and Gomer. And Jezreel means God will scatter. So think about what's happening, everybody. Oh, my goodness gracious. All over the world, people are coming out of the nations, and now they're drawn to Israel and Judah because he said it would happen. For great shall be the day of Jezreel. The other two kids were illegitimate. And if you wonder if God loves you or not, think about the prophet Hosea. He marries a prostitute, has a child by her. She goes back into prostitution and has two kids that are illegitimate. And then he says, go buy her back and love her. I don't want to hear this. God doesn't love me. He told Hosea, you go, because he was sending a message through the prophet Hosea. This will prove my love for Israel, even though they went astray even though they committed adultery. Adultery killed Jesus, everybody. Adultery killed Jesus. That's why you got to be faithful. Do whatever you got to do to be the bride. Look at Hosea 3.5. Let's continue on. 
Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord in his goodness in the latter days. Who's coming back? The children of Israel in the latter days. There's this misconception that the whole house of Israel was fully restored in the book of Esther and Nehemiah. Hogwash. Hogwash. Because that's not the latter days. What do you do with latter days? Ezra and Nehemiah was not latter days. This is the latter days. Hosea 6, verses 1 through 3. Look, come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. We are the people of Hosea. Come on, somebody. Can I, can I get a witness? Are you in the Federal Witness Protection Program? You know, I, I picked up on this so easy. I was reading Paul and Peter and, and a little bit of Mary. And I was reading in there, and, and Paul was saying things like, remember, once you were not a people, right? Once you had no mercy. And I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds familiar. He's quoting Hosea. And Paul was sent to the Gentiles, trying to call out a people for his namesake. Peter said the same thing. Once you were not a people. Where's he getting this from? The book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is you. I'm telling you this. I have to, I have to explain it to you. Because there's things going on inside of you that you can't explain. You're just drawn. I mean, people have told me testimonies. I was praying, and I saw bait deal and a neon sign. And here I am. I'm like, that's pretty good. That's free advertising. Right? People be like, oh, I was driving by. I just came right. God said, pull in here. Right? I mean, I'm hearing all these testimonies from people. You know? And it helps to start with the letter B. Some of you get that. Messianic congregations, okay. A, right? Alpha, Omega, Beta. Let's go there. I'm glad we're not like Zion. <laughs> well, I went to Olive Beta, then I went to Beta Hila, then I went to Charlie's, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, and uh, it took me three years to get to Zion. But I'm here. Hey, I'm glad to have you. Come on in. We're going to get to the good stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Let's continue on. Verse 3, let's look. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. For his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. Amen? Think about it. Yeshua already came. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. There'll be no life, right? No fruit. So the crops are watered upon by that rain. But what's the latter rain? The latter rain is what? In the spring. He's the former and latter rain. He already did it. He came from heaven to earth, took on flesh, and then he died, amen? That is good stuff. Now, 
basically what's happening is, oh, wow, my son's giving me a card. Remember what it said earlier in that other verse. We won't go there. After two days, he will what? Revive us. So you're wondering, how come I'm getting this message now? It's because it's been two days since his death, burial, and resurrection. The third day, we'll live in his sight because he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. Come on, somebody. So now, all of a sudden, it's been two days since his death, burial, and resurrection. And all of a sudden, now, this, this captivity's up. The exile's over. We're still scattered, but now we're getting organized. Oh, boy. Now things are happening. Oh, yeah. Because I came into this walk trusting. I'm going to leave trusting. Amen? Let's keep reading. Hosea 14, 7. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Once again, shall return, shall return, shall return. It's not just a bunch of Jews going to Israel. That's part of the return. But the return is happening in here. Or we'd still be in the living room. Hosea 14.9, now look, look at this. Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. Just can't teach them, can't show them. Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. We understand these things. I understand these things. We are wise. Amen? Jeremiah 33.7. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. Wow. Malachi 3.18. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Okay? Right? The word return. The word return is the Hebrew word shuv, and it means the following, once again, to turn, call to mind, recover, restore, and retrieve. Wow. There's nothing new under the sun. How many of you understand what I'm saying? God requires, right, the past. He requires what's been left behind. See, Israel was the one true witness in the beginning. He's going back to that original model now. And some of the variations of that is really tainted. It's not good. So the season of Teshuvah is also about repentance. We talked about returning. Now we're going to get into repentance. The season of Teshuvah is also about repentance. According to the rabbis, man is born with an evil inclination or a tendency to sin of which repentance is the antidote. Amen? According to the rabbis, man is born with an evil inclination or a tendency to sin, of which repentance is the antidote. So repentance means more than just turning from one's sins. It is a return to God and to the right path. It's the right path. Remember, you can, you can fall forward, amen? Though a righteous man falls seven times, he can still get up, amen? In Ezekiel 18, verses 21 through 23, let's look at what the Lord says about this. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Okay? Let's keep reading. 
all his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? God is holy, everyone. He is holy. He is holy. Let's look at Ezekiel 18, verses 30 through 32 once again. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed. Keep reading. And make you a new heart and a new spirit, for why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. Amen. He's trying to reason with you. One of the things I've learned is I say, Father, you are holy. You're a holy Father. You know no sin. You are so holy. You are so holy. You are holy. And so when I mess up, I just tell him, Lord, I sinned. You know, and, and, and you know no sin. But you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. But I want to call out my sins, Lord, because I have sinned against you and, and you are holy and you're asking me to be holy. See, we have this conversation because you have to say it against your flesh. Because the enemy likes to come in there and say, well, you know, you keep saying this or doing it this way, but you don't need to do that. Just, just move on. Just go about your life. No, no, no. Confession brings forgiveness. Amen. Confession. In the Bible, a distinction is made between repentance for sins committed against God and those committed against one's fellow man. Okay? In the Bible, a distinction is made between repentance for sins committed against God and those committed against one's fellow man. For this reason, let's look at this slide. For this reason, the Torah has two different sacrifices dealing with sin. The first was known as hatat, the sin offering, while the other is called asham, the guilt offering. Are you guys familiar with the five sacrifices? Okay. Amen. Now, the sin offering taught that when man sinned against God, restitution must be made with God. Whereas the guilt offering concerned man's restoring his relationship with another man before God. Amen. The sin offering taught that when man sinned against God, restitution must be made with God. Whereas the guilt offering concerned man's restoring his relationship with another man before God. Isn't that important? So if a person sinned against another person, forgiveness would not be given by God if the guilty party only confessed his sin to God. He must first make restitution with his fellow man and then come to God. Now let me ask you guys something in the culture. Are people treating one another kindly? Are, are people respecting one another? Do people value one another? It's not good. So Yeshua referred to this in the book of Matthew. Yeshua referred to this in the book of Matthew about making it right, didn't he? Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Let's read it together. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Amen? It's important. 
That is so important. And God gave us a conscience. You know the Holy Spirit will show you. If you wrong somebody, he will show you. You shouldn't have done that to your child. You shouldn't have said that to your wife. You shouldn't have done that to the staff. You shouldn't have said that. And, and, and you go and you make it right. Have you ever had people, oh, no, you don't have to ask for it. No, I do. Because what I said was wrong, what I did was wrong. And I know it because my conscience kicked in. It's not seared like a hot iron like the rest of the world. And I have a conscience, and it's telling me that I messed up, and I ask for your forgiveness. Wow. Something happens, amen? Look at Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. Let's read it. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What's the point of carrying that, amen? Isn't it important to get it right in our relationships? Wow. Well, if you don't have any relationships, this will be easy for you. Well, I just don't let anybody in my life. I'm good. I haven't trespassed anybody. I don't even know anybody. I go to the church, and I just go to the store, and I come home. I don't even see people. I'm good. I'm serious. The word trespasses is in the Greek is number 3900. It's the Greek word peritoma, and it means the following. Peritoma, trespasses, amen. A sidestep, lapse or deviation. Unintentional error or willful transgression. Fail, fault, or offense. A sidestep, amen. You know, think about it. I just stuck my foot out there. Oh, and you tripped. It was just a sidestep. Unintentional error or willful transgression to fail, fault, or offense. Does everybody see that? It's a trespass. You've seen the signs when you were growing up as a kid. No trespassing. What did that mean? Jump the fence. There's action over there. There's adventure. Right? No trespassing. And you're picking the rock sod out of your back end there. See, we're living in a time where the enemy's trying to destroy our relationships. He doesn't want you to have friends or relationships or friendship. He doesn't want any of that. He'll have none of that. He doesn't want that. He wants you to be offended, betray, and hate one another. And that's what we're living in right now. So many people have left here offended. Seriously. Some people won't even return phone calls. We just pray. We just pray. Just pray for you. Because we'll be here for you. Amen? We'll be here for you. The Bible tells us how to settle matters. We don't even do it. But yet we're a believer and we're so smart, really. You, you can't even go to your brother with an offense, but you're going to tell everybody else or put it on social media when you, you've done it in a wrong manner. There's no blessing in that, folks. The season of Teshuvah is a time for each man to annually examine his own life. Okay? I'm telling you, Teshuvah, I don't examine you guys, my wife and kids. No. I examine myself. I know when I get better, people around me get better. When I take care of me and I get right, I, I know how to help people. Amen? It is the time to restore relationships between men as well as God. Amen? Men as well as God. Try to stay in right standing. Now I'm having doors open up to the church and the synagogue. I mean, I got to walk a tightrope got to really watch everything, right? Because it's easy to offend when you have more people in your life. Once again, it is a time to restore relationships between men as well as God. And here's a little quote that I came up with. Uh, your success in life will not be determined by monetary value, but by your relationship with God and with each other. Before my grandmother passed away of leukemia, 
uh, my dad's mother, she said to me, she said, she said, Nikki, she said, if you can count on your hand three friends that would do anything for you, she said, you're a blessed man. How many of those people do we have in our life? That you could call at two in the morning or, or that you could get a loan? Or, or, I mean, do you, do you have those kind of friends? Matthew 7, 12, we're, we're finishing up here. Always treat others as you would like them to treat you. That sums up the teaching of the Torah and the prophets. Complete Jewish Bible. Always treat others as you would like them to treat you. Don't exchange evil for evil, right? So here are some examples of people preparing the way of the Lord in closing. <clears throat> I'm trying to get you to a place of preparation. I'm telling you, don't take it lightly. I'm going to show you just some quick examples here. Examples of people preparing the way of the Lord. Number one, Noah. He prepared by building an ark before God judged the earth with a flood. Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through chapter 7 and verse 24. Once again, Noah prepared by building an ark before God judged the earth with a flood. Did he not prepare? Right? Genesis 6, 22. Let's read it together. Noah. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Amen? Number two, Moses prepared the children of Israel to receive the Torah or the marriage covenant, did he not? Moses prepared the children of Israel to receive the Torah, the marriage covenant. Exodus 19, verses 1 through 25. Did he not do that? Was it a free-for-all? No, he gave him instructions. Boom, 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 boom. Exodus 19, 10. Here's Moses. Let's read it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Wow. That was instructions, wasn't it? We're almost done. You guys will get over this, trust me. Number three, John the Baptist. He prepared the way for Yeshua the Messiah, did he not? He was one that was actually born to prepare the way. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and the cross-reference would be Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5. So let's look at John the Baptist in Matthew 3, 3. Let's read it. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. What do you think we're doing at Beit Tehillah? Listen, Beit Tehillah is preparing the way of the Lord. Bar none. Seriously. Can we do better? Absolutely. We will continue to do better. I'm telling you right now, we are preparing the way of the Lord. We are preparing the way of the Lord. So are you the bride? I believe you are. Revelation 19, verses 7, let's look at this bride. She's an awesome woman of God. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. So what does the enemy do? I've been in this movement for 20 years. I know what the enemy does. Oh, you believe in works for salvation. Because you're doing all this stuff. No, I, no, I do not believe that. I am justified by the finished work of the cross. Now my Savior died for me so that I could live. And now I get to do these things. You don't have to do them, but I'm going to do them. I enjoy doing them. And this is the challenge we're going to have with the public sector of life. 
because something's not right in their life and they're going to want to attack you for it because they know the very things that you are doing they should probably look into. Season of Teshuvah, a couple things. What can I do for the season of Teshuvah? Blow the shofar daily is a custom and tradition. Blow the shofar daily. Number two, read Psalm 27 every day. I've saved the best for last, everyone. Are you ready? Oh, listen. How many of you would love to have, oh yeah, for a limited time only, Teshuvah Spiritual Journal 2017? How many of you want something you can have in your hand to help you along, Teshuvah? Come on, somebody! Now, my beautiful staff, Pastor Russell, Kathy, and Vanessa worked very, very hard on this. And I am telling you right now, I'm impressed. So, we're going to hand these out, and then we're going to close. I'm going to go over it quickly here with you, part one and part two. Uh, and then we'll be discussing this tomorrow night for New Moon Service. I'll also be mentioning it on Monday night and going over it. If you have any questions, you could ask me as well, but it's kind of self-explanatory. But I'm just going to go over it quickly here. And once again, this actually kicks off on Wednesday or Tuesday night. So if you have your Teshuvah spiritual journal, we're going to go over it. We're going to start handing those out. We're not going to give those to the children, only those who can read and write. Eva, my two-year-old, will not have one of these. She'll just color in it. Gives you the dates, August 23rd to September 30th. Now, in the future, if, if you want extra copies, we'll have them. Now, just because you don't start on August 23rd, or maybe you start next week, because next week we'll be plugging this as well, it's okay. You jump right in there, amen? You just jump right in there. I'm telling you, I'm so excited. I got goosebumps all over me right now. I am so excited that you are returning back to God. Because when I look back, I want to see some people. You know what I'm saying? Come on, it's fun. We're returning. Hey, where is everybody? Everything's for a reason. So once again, if you just open up your book, you're going to see an overview of the season of Teshuvah. And you can make your little notes. Once again, this is for the year 2017. If you want to have uh, just a copy not to write in, I'll make it happen. Amen? So this teaching on Teshuvah is actually in here as part one. So you can actually do your little thoughts and, and share this with people. Because this is, how many of you know that I believe this? My faith is in this booklet. Okay? My faith is in here. I believe this. So as you go through, you're going to see the lessons on Teshuvah, the PowerPoints, the, the notes, okay? And you're going to get to, can everybody keep turning the page? Get to part two, the spiritual journal. Spiritual journal. Part two. Now, what I want to submit to you is this. If you're brutally honest in this particular journal, somebody else could read it. So it depends on what, really what you want to write down. How many of you could do like a coded journal, right? Coded journal. So have little code names or little ideas for yourself because this is for you. It's not for anybody else. So the thing is, things I want to work on. Number one, between me and God. Just write it down. These are things that you're going to be working on. Between me and myself is the second column. Third column is between me and others. 
okay? So you have this column, three columns, and just be honest and sit down and, and mull it over, talk it over. If you want to do it with your spouse, I think you could. My wife's very good at my weaknesses and my blind spots, amen? So if you get like a writer's block, just talk to your wife or husband. So we have this between me and God. Don't we want to do something between me and God? What about between me and myself? Maybe you have low self-esteem. Maybe you don't think you're, you're, you're valuable. What about between me and others? Give you an example. Like between me and others, you could write here, be a better listener. Okay? Or how about this? Between me and others, empathy, a spirit of empathy. You know? Think about these things that you want to do and, and work on. Does everybody understand that? Then you have things that I want to work on continued over here. You have intellectual, emotional, and action-oriented. These are things that you want to work on. Now, you could list a lot more if you want on some, another page, but I think that's more than enough if you ask me. I mean, that's 21 things right there on, on the three columns. And over here, things that I want to work on, I'll give you an example. You have uh, intellectual, which is the Bible. Emotional would be like prayer. Uh, Action-oriented, good deeds. So, like, if you want to start saying that, I want to wash my hands every morning and say a prayer. I want to uh, read Proverbs. Okay, that would be under intellectual, but action-oriented, like good deeds. These are just examples. Does everybody see that? Like intellectual, you know, like, like John C. Maxwell says, you should be reading at least three books every month if you want to be a better leader. Amen? So like the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, I just finished that. So intellectual, what are you doing for intellectual? Some things that you're doing. Maybe you're learning something, you know, um, I asked Kathy, is there anybody that can put blue zit seats on a tallit? You know, that's an action. But turn that page over, and you're going to go into each day. Now, the cool thing is this. I'm inspired through the Orthodox Jews to create this, and I got a lot of the ideas from the Orthodox Jews. But you'll see here it says, on the following dates, journal each day how you are returning and repenting during this time of teshuva. So maybe you did pray. Maybe you did read your Bible. Maybe you did do the Torah portion. Um, maybe you made a mistake or maybe you caught yourself. And so just each day you have these lines that you can put in. Does everybody see that? And it goes all the way to September 30th, Tishri 10, Saturday night, Yom Kippur. Teshuvah ends after Yom Kippur. We're going to be doing mikvahs that Thursday and Friday at the Bowman's. We're going to have a sign-up sheet. Hebrews 10 will tell you all about the mikvah and everything. So tomorrow night, I got a little video, and we're going to have like a little spiritual journal workbook class tomorrow. We're going to talk about this. We're going to kind of go over it together. Give, I'll give you some of my examples, and then you can give some examples. We're going to have a midrash uh, tomorrow night, and then on Monday, we'll, we'll try to incorporate that just a little bit more. Who's clapping? Oh, the Sicilian's clapping. The Sicilian's happy. So, you know, I can't get any more serious than this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to promise you something. If you take this to heart and you really do this, you're going to be a better person. I believe that whatever's standing in your way will be removed. Maybe you need another place to live. Maybe you need another job. Maybe you're having a struggle in your marriage or with your kids or or there's some kind of prayer request that you really have that's just really aching you, start with yourself, and then everything else will, will follow suit. Amen?
So, Father, we want to thank you for Teshuvah. You are the king of Teshuvah. You are the king of us returning and repenting. And so we know that in this time of, of season, Father, uh, your son Yeshua, the king, he's out in the field. He's mingling with us. He's, 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 he's accessible. We can approach him and, and talk with him. And, 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 Father, we need to do this before he, before he assumes the position of, of judge. And, and so we want to win his favor and his mercies and, and just have him to pour these things out in our life so he's accessible. So, Father, I want to thank you for everyone here. Everyone is loved. Everyone is good enough. And I just pray that we would learn to value one another. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen.